Matthew 9, 27 through 30, it tells us a very interesting story. The Bible tells us, first of all, it says something that I think is so interesting. It says that two blind men followed Jesus. I don't, I don't want to seem rude or crude, and, and I, I don't want to mock anyone's condition. I just think this is an a interesting set of words. Two blind men follow Jesus. So what's your excuse? Right? Like, <laughs> it, and I, I, I need to move through this. So I need you to understand just a few things today about how you see yourself. How you see yourself. How you see him determines how you see you. Remember last week we said A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said the, what we think about God, what, when we think about God, what we think about God is the most important part of us. What we think when we think about God is the most important part of us. So how I see God is, is, is how I see myself. Now, as I begin to examine myself, I have to, I have to be cautious because there are some things that, as I, as I look at myself, uh, could cause me to be discouraged. Um, now, that I'm, now that I'm 40 and I go to the mirror, I don't, I, I don't see the same guy looking back at me that looked back at me when I was 30. And I definitely don't see the same guy looking back at me that I, that I looked at when I, was, when I was 20. Some things have changed about my life. There, there are more wrinkles, there are more gray hairs, um, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff there that I didn't, I didn't see 20 years ago. And so I have to be cautious that when I look at myself, I don't over-examine myself. Because the reality is this morning, when I say when we look at ourselves, the way we see God determines how we see ourselves, it's so important because the reality is when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. The Bible tells us we are in either one of two conditions today. We are either in Adam, which means we are in our sin, or we are in Christ. And the Bible tells us that our life is hidden in Christ. So the reality is, is when God sees us, he doesn't see us. He sees us either in his son or not in his son. And so as a believer this morning, it doesn't matter what you see in the mirror when you look in the mirror. When God looks at you, God sees his son, Jesus Christ. And so no wonder you've got a misunderstanding of who you are because you keep seeing who you are. You need to see yourself the way God sees you. Because if you're not careful, you will look at your life and you will think that in order to win, everything has to work. But in Christ, you have to win. You have to learn how to win when everything isn't working in your favor. Two blind men followed Jesus. If I don't have it in this season, then I don't need it to get done what God has asked me to do. I don't need it. It doesn't mean I shouldn't pursue it. It just means that if he has asked me to do it and I don't have it, then that means I don't need it. But very often when we look at ourselves, our focus becomes on what we don't have. I don't have smooth skin anymore. 
I got this permanent just wrinkle right here in my forehead. I could, I'm, you, I might be able to get some Botox in there and bust that thing out, but it's just there. And when I, when I look at myself, I can see all of the things that I don't have. But when I look at myself in Christ, it causes me to focus on what I do have. And what I have left is more powerful than what I have lost in Christ. Now, in myself, I've lost some things. My, my legs don't work as well as they used to. I can't run as fast as I used to. I, I run out of breath quicker than I used to. I can't see as well as I used to. But all of that doesn't matter. Even though my body is fading away, the Bible tells me that my spirit can even grow stronger. So in Christ, I actually have a whole lot more going for me than meets the eye. <laughs> I don't know if that's good news for anybody this morning, but maybe you look at your, your flesh and your current situation in your life and you're saying, man, I don't have a whole lot. Well, that's okay. It doesn't matter because even though you don't have a whole lot in yourself, you have more than you could possibly imagine in Christ. I have to learn how to win without everything working. I have to learn how to be grateful for the stuff that does work in my life. I don't know if there's anybody in this room who all your stuff doesn't work like it used to work, and you just got to wake up some morning and just thank you, Jesus, that the left one is good today. Thank you, Jesus, that my right eye works good today. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm hearing out of the left side today. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm breathing good today. I don't know if there's anybody in this room, but you got to wake up grateful just because something's working. I wonder if there's a praise in this room from some people who are glad that something is working. I might not have it all, but something is working. So they used what was working. They didn't let what they didn't have keep them from what they wanted. I have to learn, so, so I have to learn how to win when things aren't working. I have to learn how to pursue through the pain of rejection. These are things we have to do in Christ. I have to learn how to pursue through the pain of rejection because if, if I don't learn this, then I will think that when people reject me that it has something to do with me. Most of the time, people aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting Christ in you. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're gonna hate you. Why do they hate you? Because you look like him. They don't hate you because of you. They hate you because you look like him. You remind them of him. They tried to kill all of the disciples. Why did they do it? Because they reminded them of him. Remember, they, said, they would say to the disciples, how did you do this miracle? How did this happen? And they would say, do you remember Jesus whom you crucified? They, were, they, were, they thought they had killed Jesus. And they had, but Jesus had risen from the dead, ascended to the Father, sent the Holy Spirit, and now Jesus wasn't just one person walking the streets. Now he was hundreds and thousands of people walking the streets, and what they thought they had killed, they had just multiplied. So we have to learn how to deal and work through the pain of rejection in our life. Because if not, we'll stop pursuing. Every time a door closes, every time somebody doesn't like us, every time we get a neg negative comment, negative feedback, we get a bad review on Google, we'll want to shut our business down. 
But we can't live that way. We have to learn how to pursue through the pain of rejection. These guys, watch this. The Bible says they're blind following Jesus. They're crying out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the Bible says Jesus goes into somebody's house. They're following him, asking for help. Jesus doesn't turn and help them. He literally walks into somebody's house, ignoring them. Why? Because when it feels like Jesus is rejecting you, it's actually Jesus asking you to follow him closer. So we have to learn how to deal with the pain of rejection from people and what feels like rejection from God. See, we don't want to talk about that. It's really easy, and we get to shout because all of us have been rejected by people, but we, something in us feels sacrilegious to talk about the feeling of being rejected by God, the feeling of praying and not getting an answer, the feeling of asking and not receiving, the feeling of giving and not seeing any return, the feeling of following and nothing changing. I have no idea how long these men had been following Jesus, crying out, asking for him to have mercy on them. And when it looks like he should turn and meet their need, he, he, he walks into somebody else's house. Have you ever felt like Jesus is blessing everybody but you? He's like walking into everybody's house but yours. We have to get through that. The pain of what feels like rejection from God is not truly rejection. It's him asking us a question. Will you follow me just a little bit closer? Okay. Isaiah 53 and 3. Watch this. Watch, the, watch what they said about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, a man familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Don't be surprised when you have these same feelings and responses from humanity. Don't be surprised. But never confuse what feels like rejection from God with rejection from God. God is not rejecting you. He's asking you to come a little closer. That's all. Don't get your feelings hurt. Don't walk away. You imagine if the woman who had needed her daughter to be healed in the New Testament, she had gone to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter. And he completely ignored her. Then she says, Jesus, I need you to heal my daughter. Then he calls her a dog. Could you imagine if she would have walked away because she was offended and felt rejected? If she wouldn't have asked again and again and again and again? What feels like rejection is God asking you to come closer? We have to learn how to endure the testing of our faith. To learn how to win when everything isn't working, I have to learn how to deal with the pain of rejection, and I have to learn how to endure the testing of my faith. James 1 and 3 says, the testing of your faith produces patience. In other words, what the Bible is saying there is that he tests my faith with time. You see that? The testing of my faith produces patience. What the Bible is saying is God tests my faith with time. God is, is not just interested in how big can you believe. He wants to know how long can you believe me. He that endures to the end will be saved. 
So the testing of my faith is not just can you believe me for these great things, but can you believe me for a long time? Can you trust me for five years, for 10 years, for 15 years, for 20 years? Can I, can I count on you to, to stay faithful and trust me when you're 30 and when you're 50 and when you're 60 and you're 70? You're still believing for the same thing that you were believing for when you were 20 years old. Can, I, can, can your faith be tested with time? Time tested. Sometimes what we confuse faith for is desperation. But desperation and faith are not the same thing. Watch this. They're following Jesus. Two blind men following Jesus. Jesus goes into a house. They, instead of getting their feelings hurt, the Bible says they follow him right on into that house. They didn't ask if they got an invitation. They didn't care whose house it was. They didn't wait for somebody to say, come on in. They just went right on in. Because this is the thing about Jesus. Wherever he is, you are welcome to go. <laughs> there are no closed doors in the key. There's no VIP access when it comes to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you don't get a thing around your neck that says you can go in this door and this door and this door, but you're closed off to this door. Only special people get to go into this door. Only the priests get to go. No, there's no VIP access. There's, there, there's no rule based on how good you've been or how bad you've been. If you belong to Jesus, every door that he walks in, it is also open and available to you. I don't know if there's anybody in this room who's been pretty bad, who doesn't deserve VIP access, but Jesus has granted it. Who wants to give him a praise right now? I wonder if you put your hands together and just bless him that every door that he walks through, he gives you access to. They follow him right in. <laughs> Watch what happens. Jesus doesn't immediately heal him. He asked them the craziest question. Why? Because desperation and faith are not the same thing. Crying out, Lord, have mercy is desperation. Faith is walking through the door. You gotta hear me. The Bible tells us in James that faith without works is dead. It's, it's, it's not that I have to prove anything. It's just that genuine faith proves itself. So, so you tell me I have to prove something. No, 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 I'm just saying genuine faith proves itself. You will know them by their fruit. Fruit is not something that a tree tries really hard to produce. It's natural because of, its, of who it is. It's natural because of, that's its DNA. So if you are truly a person of faith, you will naturally produce works. Come on. It's not a works thing. Works are natural to the believer. Just natural. They just are, they're the overflow of a believer. That's, the, that's what the Bible is saying. And so they, they didn't just say, Lord, have mercy. That's desperation. They follow Jesus into the room, and then Jesus asked them the most interesting question. He says, he says uh, do you have faith that I can do this? 
that's an interesting, that's a loaded question. Do we have faith that you could do this? Like, why do you think we're following you? Watch this, because this is, this is why most people follow Jesus, because of what they've heard. So what Jesus is saying, this is very, inter- this is very powerful. You need to catch this. And if you're taking notes, you need to write this down. Jesus is asking them this. This is, this is the, the summary of what he's saying. Because you would think that their, their intention for being there is that they believe he can do it. But that's, that's, not, that's not always the case. Jesus is making sure that they're there for this. He's, what he's saying is, I know you heard because they're following because of what they heard. I know you heard I can do that, but do you believe I can do You catching that? Because there are a lot of things that we have heard that God can do. And it's sometimes it's easy to have faith about what we have heard God has done. But when it comes to our situation and our blindness and our brokenness and our addiction and our suffering and our pain, do we believe he can do this? Or have you been losing for so long in the same area, you don't know how to win anymore? He's asking, I know you heard I can do that. But do you believe I can do this? The Bible says Jesus prayed for them. He healed them. One translation tells us that their sight was restored. And I think that's interesting that he says their sight was restored because what that means is that at some point in their life, they saw. These two men were not born blind. Their sight was restored. They had had sight. So the only reason they would be blind is because of illness or injury. Illness. It's not your fault. (laughs) It's not your kid's fault they went to school this week and everybody has the stomach bug and parents send their kids to school throwing up. Like, it's not your fault that your kid came home with the stomach bug, illness, injury. Most of the time, injury is not your fault. But have you ever done something stupid? And injured yourself. So we have no idea how these guys got in this condition, but the Bible is very clear that their sight was restored. I'm going to give you a few ways through illness and injury that our, we lose our sight. Here's one. One, one way we lose our sight is we, we get blinded by Resistance. What I mean by resistance is we resist God. We resist the change that he's trying to bring into our lives. We get blinded by our resistance of what God wants to do in our lives. And the only way to cure blindness because of resistance is willingness. Isaiah 1 and 19 says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Maybe your refusal to change is why your life isn't changing. Maybe you want everything and everybody else to change, but you refuse 
to change. You are unwilling to change. Maybe you're blinded by entitlement. I like to call entitlement a learned helplessness. <laughs> Some people would call it a victim mentality. Do you know how you, how you, how you, how you cure the blindness of entitlement? <laughs> you cure it with humility. First Peter 5 and 6 says, humble yourselves in the, under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up. What if you've been thinking that everybody and everyone owes you and you are blinded and you are stuck in your life because you have learned helplessness? Here's another one. We can be blinded by our bitterness. The cure for bitterness, blindness is forgiveness. Matthew chapter 18, 21 through 22, Peter said, he said to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Nearly 500 times in a day, Jesus, is, is that what you're saying? We can be blinded by isolation. I've said this before. I want to say this to you again. Isolation is not a spiritual gift. <laughs> Self-imposed isolation is not a spiritual gift. I just need to be alone. No, you were not created to be alone. <laughs> you think being alone is going to fix your problems. No, being alone is a sign of rebellion, the Bible says. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm messing with you right now. How, how, what's the cure for, for isolation blindness? The cure for isolation blindness is godly relationships. Proverbs 18, 21 says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, the reason you're isolating yourself is because you want to just rebel. You want to do your own thing. Whew. Hebrews tells us that we should not neglect meeting together as some do. But as we see the day approaching, we should gather together and encourage one another. Why? Because we were created for relationship. Even the Godhead is a relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Three and one, okay? It's a relationship. We can be blinded by condemnation. Psalm 40, the, the psalmist said there in Psalm 40, uh, verse 11, he said, my iniquities have overtaken me. He said, I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. Now, for some people, that, that would not be a very applicable verse. <laughs> so I'll throw that out there. My iniquities have overtaken. I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. He said, my heart fails me. My sin has caused blindness. Sin separates Sin separates. Now watch, watch this. As a, as a follower of Jesus, sin does not cause God to separate himself from us. Sin causes us to believe that we have separated ourselves from God. He said he would never leave nor forsake us. He didn't put any parameters around that statement. He just said, I'll be with you. 
not if you're great, not on your good days, and I'm just gonna hang back on your bad days. No, he said, I'll be with you. There are no parameters for him being with us. What sin does is it causes us to disconnect from God and make us think that God is at a distance. And the psalmist said, it makes me blind. I cannot see because of my condemnation. So how do I overcome condemnation blindness? Faith in the finished work of Jesus. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How do I overcome that blindness of condemn, that condemnation brings in my life? I just put my confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I just believe that what Jesus has done for me is enough. I just believe that when God looks at me, that he sees me in Christ. And however God looks at me is how I need to see myself. So it doesn't matter how people see me. It doesn't matter how your mom and dad see you. It doesn't matter how your friends and relatives see you. If God sees you in Christ, that's the only sight you really need. That's it. Because condemnation doesn't just come from the way we think God sees us. It comes from the way we think others see us. And when you realize that other people's opinion of you pales in comparison to the opinion that God has about your life, then you can live free. You can leave here free. This is recovery month. Trying to tell you, you can recover your sight. I don't know how you lost it. I don't know if it was illness or injury. Most people become addicted because of illness or injury. An illness that puts you in the hospital and all of a sudden you got medication. And so now that medication that helped you get through your surgery or your issue, now it's become an addiction to you. You don't need it anymore, but you need it. And then maybe you injured yourself. I know for a lot of people who have like a pain uh, prescription addiction, painkiller addiction, very often it started because of an injury. And somebody said, here, here's, here's this Lortab, or here's this Oxycontin, here you go, and, and this will help you with your pain. And, and, and of course it helped with the pain, but now you're not hurting anymore, you're taking it because of what it did for you. More than covered up the pain of your back or your leg, it covered up the pain of your failure, your regret, and your shame. And God's saying this morning to you, can you follow me into the house? Can you believe today that I can do this? What seems insurmountable? What seems like it would, it's impossible for you to overcome? The thing, the area that it seems like it's impossible for you to get victory in? Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I can heal you of this? Do you believe that I can overcome this in your life? I don't know if I'm in a room with a group full of people who believe that whatever is going into my life today, whatever is keeping me back, whatever is holding me down, I believe today that Jesus can heal even this. Even this.